Welcome to the first episode of Dare Migrant Scholar. We are so excited to have you here and so excited to get started. Now, Dare Migrant Scholar is for anyone who is seeking to get career guidance or just some sort of direction with further studies. Or if you're here for the chills, the vibes and banter, you're definitely in the right place. Dare Migrant Scholar will be hosted by my co-pilots and co-founders, Charles and Ovi. And by the way, my name is Jamaka. This podcast will be available on major streaming platforms and will be brought to you once every month. I promise you it will be definitely worth the wait. Now, today's episode, we have our guest host, Rufai Oseini. Rufai, take it away. Hi, welcome everybody to another very exciting edition. On this podcast, we're going to be introducing you to the founders of Alum United. We're going to be talking about the journey so far, uh, the antecedents thus far, and what we hope to achieve with this grand new plan we've got on Alum Unite. So I've got joining us here, uh, Obi and uh, Charles and uh, Chiamaka. All right, these three great people have put this great venture together called Alum Unite to be able to give back, you know, to society. And it's more than a joy joining them on this podcast today. So, I mean, I'll start with you guys and I'll start with you, uh, Obi. Uh, how long have the founders known each other and how did you guys meet? Oh, that's an interesting one. So, I have known Charles for over a decade, I believe. I've known Charles for over a decade. And so, we went to college together. And I think, I don't think we were close in college. Uh, correct me. We're not close in college, as in. No. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, we became close post-college. So, I think we got to know each other better after college. And I think what brought us together was more things, the geeky things. Like, I think a lot of my friends know me as geek in college. So, uh, when they have like computer or anything related to tech, they will reach out to me. So I think that's how we got uh, close to each other. So, uh, so we've known ourselves over a decade, and um, we got close uh, after college. So yeah, that's a quick uh, high level how we've known each other, and we've been close since then. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess just uh, leaning on what Obina said, uh, we had mutual friends um, in university. So we had uh, mutual, and some of the, those mutual friends actually caught into my secondary school. So one of them went to my secondary school, who was very close to Obina University. And um, yeah, so I think somehow we, you know, we sort of kept in touch after Futo, uh, where we both went to. I don't know if Obina remembers this. There's this, uh, I think we we're friends on Facebook, and there's this um, trend uh, hashtag we used to use, Remember Your Boys Initiative. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Obina's laughing. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we would have some posts and end it with, you know, remember your boys. Oh, your boys um, initiative. So, uh, yeah, I guess thinking about that now, it kind of seems like, you know, the, the whole idea behind that was, you know, you know regardless of where, what we're doing, where we were, let's think back to, you know, our, our guys, let's think back to home, let's think back to, you know, where we came, came from. And I think those, are, those were the seeds that were being sown at the time. Um, at the time, we didn't know alumni was going to come become, you know, uh, what it is now. So, but yeah, overall, that's just adding to what Obina said about how we met. Um, so I guess, you know, with Chiamaka, maybe I'll let us, uh, you know, talk about that. <laughs> it's usually better from her mouth. <laughs> um, interestingly, I've always heard about Charles. So um, I don't know how to explain. I know, Sha, we are related somehow, but the way they explain our our family tree is quite complicated so i just know oh yeah i'm related to this person that's that's enough just for me um so i i've always heard about him um he's a much older relative as you know people put it <laughs> and well well, 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 you know when they say brother, and I know we don't do, not everybody does that, but I, people will call our brothers in, in our own evil parlance, he was the older brother. And interestingly, um, I have a cousin who is also cousins with Charles as well. And just randomly, I think this was early 2019 or so, and we were wishing each other happy new year and stuff and then he mentioned that there was someone or his cousin was working on this amazing project and i should reach out to him and all and that was how the whole conversation started so i remember charles giving me a call then 
and we talked about the Alum United. I think at that time it wasn't Alum United. I don't think it had a name then. And then through Charles, I met Obi, and the rest they say is history. So that's that's my own version of how we met. I don't know if Obi and Charles have a different version of how how they got to know about me or how we met, but that's my own version. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, there, there are three versions here, but all the versions are the same. At least that that's the good part. It's it's not like uh, the recent book written by some guy called. Uh, at Conde, and uh, he's told three different versions of how they took somebody to Buhari to become president in the end. And all that. That's a talk for another when politicians yeah. doing that. But, but have, have any of the founders not met in person before? Actually, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I've never met, yeah. I've actually never met Ovi or Charles before. Um, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, I yeah, didn't yeah, know yeah, that yeah. part. Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't know you never met Charles. Chavaka, we met when, we've met when you, when you were a lot smaller. So. No, well, <laughs> since, <laughs> since, <laughs> since you've called me out, since you've called me out already, let me just say it. So, yeah. When you were younger, to remember. You, well, maybe yeah, I'll see you. But, but we um, actually met, yeah. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't have a recollection of us meeting. Yeah. Well, perhaps I was very... And, yeah, and to be honest, yeah, Chavaka... Yeah, Jemaka is you know is part of like my extended family, but I was never close to her. But you know we we sort of you know met in among those Christmas, you know where everybody goes back home during Christmas and all that. You know, I'd spent some time around Jemaka and her brother. I was actually funny enough, I went to university with her brother, Futo as well. So he was I think he was one year uh, below me in Futo. So that's also another way that you know I sort of kept in touch with her family. Uh, but yeah, we didn't meet as much, you know, in adults. But we met as kids, and yeah, that was. I guess Jamaica won't remember that since she's age. I, I, you know, I honestly don't remember. remember. I honestly. I honestly don't remember. I, I guess it's one of those Christmases where it's everybody follow your age mates kind of thing, where we go from house to house, and they were the big guys, so we used to follow. In our age grades, we didn't we didn't mingle with the bosses, you know. <laughs> so it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, this is in, this is news to my ears because I I didn't think we had you know we had a common meeting or something like that. But definitely, I know I'm not. It's not it's not a joke. I know I've I've actually never met Obi before. So all our meetings have been on Zoom or on Teams and yeah. all of that. Yeah. So, so so this is basically a representation of what the COVID world is like, right? They're doing things in the virtual world and still uh, making things happen. I mean, we do have some. T I do have some team members in this in Alumni Night I have never met before uh, mm -hmm. since we started. So um, that's the that's the world we're living right now. At the time when we started, you know, we were pretty much virtual amongst the three of us. And at the time, this was pre-COVID. You know, everyone was there were some doubts as to you know things that are going to work with three of you not being in one room, right? So. Now COVID hit and this is the norm. You know, everyone is working remotely. So I guess we had to give you know again kudos to you know Obi and Amaka and able to you know carry, let that vision carry them through. You know beyond all the doubts regarding um, you know us not being to be, not being able to be in one location. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that. I would have to say well done to you guys. You know you've been able to uh, have a very neat and tight team despite the fact that you've not met. So that technology helps you know transcends those borders uh, really you have no borders as long as you're in sync with the idea you know let's talk about this idea why why did you pick the out of so many ideas in the world yeah yeah so i think the idea kind of met some of us um, across different phases uh in my career um so just to give you a bit of background for me i moved quite a lot as a kid um i literally lived across the four geopolitical zones in nigeria or three rather so born in the north, lived there until you know, the first early years, moved down to the south-south, and then ended up in Lagos. So you know, I ended up changing schools a lot. I think um, through primary, secondary, uh, university, I, I might have you know, touched about seven or eight schools. So for me, I love me that the whole idea started as a way to you know, find you know, lost connections, lost network. And yes, you know, there was likes of Facebook at the time, and you said, well... So I guess initially the, the argument was for you to find someone on Facebook, you have to remember their names. 
um, an alumni that was meant to be, okay, I know what year I graduated, I know what school I went to, can I find everyone that went to school with me? So that was the difference between alumni and Facebook at the time. It was more like, you know, how can we find people that we, you know, lost connection and all that. Um, but, you know, over time I, I did, you know, did a bit more research, you know, brought Obi on, brought Jamaica on. So it became less of, you know, my idea, more of a team, you know, a team idea. And I think that's when we sort of also dug deeper into market research to see what did more people needed, uh, what was going to make an impact in Africa. And that's how we ended up, you know, with what Alumni is now, which is a platform for resource and education. So it goes beyond just finding, you know, your lost schoolmates because I, you know, they're, they're not everyone, you know, has gone through uh, that sort of phase like me. So that's essentially an overview of how Alumni came to be. Um, and it's changed a lot from the very first idea to what it is today. And I, um, if it be want to throw something, you know. No, I, I, just to add, like, I, I remember, like, Charles reaching out to me to talk about a project he was working on in school, you know, as in, and uh, he talked about, oh, at some point, he thinks he would like to do this. It, it was an MBA project, you know, at some point he would like to, like, um, take this beyond school, you know, and uh, he told me, oh, I'll be in ATL, let's meet up and talk more about this. So I, I went up to ATL and, and, and met up and we talked some more. I think the, the reason, the main reason why I decided to like, join the idea was because it, it kind of creates the opportunity to impact education in Africa and kind of give back, which was something I've been thinking about uh, since uh, I left grad school. So uh, I know people who, uh, who my success have inspired, but I believe that everyone may not have the opportunity I had so this allows me to kind of create, um, be part of a platform that creates um, an opportunity for people to connect, you know, with resources that can actually help illuminate a path for them, you know. COVID exposed kind of the deficiencies we have in education infrastructure today, you know, and uh, a lot of its interruptions to class-based instruction kind of widened the inequities we see today. Now, with this project, you know, this project gives us that uh, platform to help change some of the things we see in Africa and help reduce the inequities we see when it comes to uh, education. The ideation process can, can be a very lonely one, very lonely one. And, and this brings me to the insights of, of, you know, how do you go through the process of making what people truly want and what substitutes, you know, can they have? because it's a fine balancing act, you know, trying to get out the particular product line that'll meet the need of almost everybody, which is a difficult one, but, but it's mostly what you do in that room of ideation, you know, you, you're hollow, you feel lonely about it, but you just keep iterating the thoughts and you expect it to work. So how do you hit it? How do you get what people want? And you know, what are the substitutes? Um, I mean, I, I can start and then pass on to Chair Maka, but initially, what, what you know, like, like Obina said, before I reached out to Obina, I'd already done some research. So, and that research was, you know, included surveying a lot of people. So we surveyed Nigerians back at home in diaspora uh, to try and understand where their headspace was with regards to giving back um, and not just giving back in general, but giving back to education, to the alma mater. And we uncovered, you know, covered some problems around reasons why people did not give back. You know, some of it was lack of transparency. Um, you know, there are a lot of, you know, alumni groups, very strong alumni groups that, you know, are out there that had challenges with their ESCOs, you know, squandering funds. You know, funds were raised for a project and then the funds ended up in, in someone's, you know, pocket and that was the end of it. So, um, and secondly to that, there was also the aspect that a lot of people would actually give a lot more if, they, if there was a means or a platform to be able to uh, manage all that process, transparency and all that. So that was the initial kind of, you know, kick in the backside and say, okay, if this is true, this is what people are saying, then there's, there's need for this. Um, as far as the product itself, you know, the product has evolved and I guess maybe Chiamaka or Obina can talk about that in terms of how exactly, you know, has that adapted to what people need? 
Uh, initially, for example, we, we wanted to give back to schools. And the idea was, um, okay, there, was, there are two sides to it. First, you, you get funds from alumni and well-wishers. Well Secondly, was getting that funds uh, to actually impact the, the, the purpose for which you were raised. So the side of raising it was it seemed like the easier part. People would give, you know, those who had would give when there was a need for it. But I think the more difficult one was how would you actually now implement those funds into the right project and all that. I think that's where we sort of learned with the markets and evolved, um, especially around managing projects for alumni associations. Um, and, you know, up till now, we've had, you know, we've worked with a couple of schools. Um, we've done various use cases across the schools. Uh, we found that, you know, the alumni stations already exist across different schools. You know, you can, you can pick one school, for example. Um, let's say University of Lagos, for example. You know, the alumni over the last different sets, you know, past 20 years, they're engaging in different, you know, different um, platforms out there, WhatsApp, Facebook, and the likes. Uh, and what we're doing with alumni, we're not trying to, you know, change, uh, essentially change the landscape. We're only trying to make it more efficient. You know, you could be trying to raise funds on WhatsApp. Uh, and then there's also chats going on, there are jokes being passed around. And then easily it becomes a lot more difficult for those trying to, you know, create impact. But with alumni, we sort of picked out, you know, what are the best parts of all these platforms that can actually help us transform education. Um, essentially, um, we've put them into one place, uh, which also brings together community, the fundraising aspects, and the project um, project um, execution. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, thank you so much for that. I, I'd like to know what is it that you get about you that others don't get. Sort of like your USP, you know, your unique selling point that you that others will never understand. I mean, let me put this in perspective. So for Coca-Cola, there's an ingredient called 7X. And that's the key about Coke, the secret ingredient. The makers of Coke get it, but others will never get it. Probably if that secret is let out, what is in 7X, that's the end of Coca-Cola. So what is your 7X? I would start with the concept that we came up with. This is what we called crowd resource and now we're familiar with what crowdfunding is where um, people want you to raise funds for projects but recognizing the fact that hey we're talking about education we're talking about communities we're talking about also developing human capacities how then can we do this effectively and efficiently how can we communicate you know what everybody is doing what different communities are doing how can we um how can we prepare um, students, graduates for the world of work and all of that. And these are things I recognize that we can do by ourselves, that alumni groups cannot do by themselves as well. That you need the power of community, the power of crowd to actually effectively and efficiently do whatever it is that you want to do. So our unique, I would say, our unique selling point, I'll, I'll speak from my own perspective, is the fact that we are, we want the crowd resource education and when I say crowd resource I'm looking at concepts around yes financing is a huge part of what we're doing trying to raise funds to facilitate projects and these projects could be from an infrastructure perspective or supply perspective but also to be able to develop capacities through mentorship or giving scholarships to people and this is something that we can communities can do by themselves it, it requires the strength of the crowd to do this so for us our our unique selling point is in, in crowd resourcing, where we are able to effectively collaborate, effectively communicate, instead of working in silos or reinventing the wheel, and effectively also cooperate as teams of communities to do this noble cause that we have started. I don't know if Charles or Obi, you guys have anything to add? Uh, no, I think, I think you said most of it. Uh, the only thing I was going to say is to just, uh, I think, we know this is unique. That one thing people don't get is the fact that we do have, uh, when it comes to impact, how much impact we can make. I feel like it, it is endless. Like it is endless, you know. So and people don't see that today. There are a lot of things we see in the West where uh, that we don't see in 
uh, in back in Africa. I think that communal support for education, if you look at schools like Harvard and all of that, they do have a huge endowment fund, right? You know, we believe that we can start that journey in a place like Africa, giving people a platform to be able to crowd support education, you know, crowd that transformation, crowd support the transformation of education in Nigeria and the likes, you know, instead of leaving it just to the to the government. Like, if we leave everything to the government, uh, the government will not be able to, like, drive all this change itself. So what the, the unique model we bring is that ability to involve not just philanthropists or people who are out there, but also involve people who care about education, also involve um, uh, um, corporate institutions that have um, budgets allocated to uh, education. We give them that ability to be able to um, drive some of this education transformation. And, and just to add to the, the question that uh, Charles added earlier about the research we did to kind of validate this idea. Uh, from the research, you know, uh, one of the, some of the key stats we got were things like uh, eight in ten respondents said that the, the platform was going to support nation building. You know, things around seven in ten said uh, they were willing to join uh, the platform. So that's kind of validation that people buy into what we're doing. You know, about nine in ten also said that they would donate at least ten dollars in a year. Uh, so that's that's like validation to. Um, like support that uh, I mean we believe that people believe in this thing we're doing and finally and I think Charles mentioned this too like 8 and 10 said that a transparent process like what we are creating uh, will kind of help them encourage them to give back you know so uh, yeah. this is uh, this is what makes our platform unique yeah so essentially in a, in a nutshell you know it's that's um, end-to-end scalable uh, model that we bring towards resource and education. I mean, if you think about what our education is today and what it would take to get us to what, you know, people enjoy in the West, the government is going to take at least, you know, two decades of the current, at the current rate to actually get us to where the West are today. Uh, but what we've done is we've sort of put together this model that can scale, that brings in not just alumni as well as for students as well, and even, you know, corporates that I, I, when we start talking about corporates here, I just want to say, you know, it's not about corporates giving out free, you know, free money and all that. Um, we sort of designed some of all this alumni such that everyone benefits from being on the platform. The students themselves benefit, the alumni benefits, uh, the corporates themselves benefit from, you know, uh, sponsoring projects. And we sort of provide that end-to-end view of it. Um, we remove the management from, you know, the funding side. We enable the alumni groups to, you know, support themselves and perform. And if you look out there, there's not that one platform that is focused to all this uh, education. And that's that's our goal. Focus on education, uh, provide end-to-end value for all the stakeholders. So I'd like to ask, uh, what has been the highlights and, and the lowlights thus far? I'm sure you've got a lot of insights to share as regards this. And... Uh, I'd also like to take it one step further. Are you excited? Are you bullish about this idea you've got? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say, you know, uh, we're definitely excited about the future. Um, and the reason for this is, you know, just picking back on the previous question, not a lot of people know or understand what alumni is, but whenever they do, they get excited. And I think for, for us, that's the, the validation. So in a way, it's good because um, the product is is great but what we need to work on is the messaging to get people to understand what we're doing and that's you know something that we are very much aware of and you know you know that's something that we're actually working on so we are quite excited about the coming months we're excited about 2022 um because our focus now is you know we've done we built the product we've tested it with a couple of schools you know it has been great i mean i, I remember one of the schools we work with where we helped them raise some funds for a project um, I think a lot of, there were a lot of comments coming out like, wow, this happened so quickly. They, they thought it was going to take the typical, you raise funds for one year and then you, you, you down execute the project in the second year. We did this within two months, raised the funds, executed the project, and some of them were like, wow, this is pretty quick. Um, and again, not just that, it was the transparency. Everyone could see you know, what was, um, how the fund was being raised. Those in diaspora participated a lot. You know, those people that would typically not give because 
they couldn't see uh they couldn't trust that value was going to be um, at, um in the end value was was going to be generated so there was a lot of um interest from those in diaspora uh this is just an example of a case where people once people understand what we're trying to do they get excited uh, and i haven't had one conversation that ended up with someone saying okay now i understand what you're doing but this doesn't excite me so like i said we have a problem of messaging and it's a great problem to have because we know that you know we, once we get more people to understand what we're doing more corporates to buy into what we're doing yeah the sky's our limits Chipanga, you want to you want to talk about highlights? Oh, I have a low light I want to talk about. So, thank <laughs> <laughs> guy. <laughs> I, I think for me, I I want to speak from a prospect perspective as well. Um, before we've got a finished product, but interestingly for us, I think one of the things I'm excited about is the fact that we're helping that feature where we're helping people to put some sort of structure in their governance which is something that your whatsapp group or your facebook would not give you which are alternatives that really people use right so helping helping uh, schools put structure in the system and using that structure to effectively organize you know whatever that is happening within their school so for me that is something that i'm excited to see how that works um in the new year um also the fact that um, we're not just, um, you know, as much as we want to do a lot of good, but then we're, 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 we're creating a pull factor as well, that feature where students can actually tell us what they need and then we can see if we can match them with uh, funders or schools or even their community, alumni communities, to actually uh, begin the process or trigger the process of either funding the project or actually funding um, the camp. Or supporting the campaign doesn't necessarily need to be funding so that bit is something that i'm excited to see how that you know works um in the new year and of course um also looking to see how many people we, we eventually get to put smiles on their faces because i know that this is it's a hikilian task it's going to be daunting but it's something that will be truly gratifying at the end of the day so this is for me what i am looking forward to what what I'm looking forward to um to happen in twenty twenty two. I lost count of what year we're in now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, anyways, I'll take, I mean before I get Rufai back, uh so for me, uh, uh, the low light uh, is non-techy actually. I, I think this is something every founder dreads is you know, guys Imagine when we make all those applications to accelerator programs and <laughs> you're waiting for the response and, you know, and you just see that, oh, thank you for applying. We had so many applications this year, but uh, unfortunately, we can, <laughs> we're not moving on with you guys. But I think, I think uh, we've, we've done applied to Y Combinator and a couple other programs and we've not really had any breakthrough yet. I think... Uh, but we've tried our best to kind of look beyond that, you know, and focus on the transformation we're trying to drive. Uh, so, but I am excited about a lot of things, you know, I'm excited about the features we'll be rolling out uh, next year to kind of empower groups to, to kind of start making a change, right? You know, things like the group governance for alumni groups, you know, peer verification events and all of that. And, you know, uh, those are some of the things, like, uh, one of the things we have in our roadmap, which we know is critical for uh, human capital development, is that's uh, mentoring. So we're working on the feature that's going to that's gonna enable the smart pairing of alumni and students for mentoring. You know, that way uh, students can get the, the, the leadership or the guidance they need while making career decisions or while... Uh, trying to figure out what they want to do, you know, because we know that plays a role in um, what they decide to do or what steps they take in trying to advance their uh, education or advance their uh, career growth. Uh, I'd like to ask you uh, just one question, and I mean, probably as it can be, uh, what, what has been the most challenging aspect of this journey? Oh, that's a good one, actually. Uh, yeah. I, I think um, for me, my my from my perspective through my lens, the most challenging part was have been kind of keeping to our 
uh, product roadmap. You know, we've had like development um, challenges, you know, um, moving from a development team to a new development team and that kind of like, uh, uh, it just affects your timeline, right? We have a timeline for when we want to roll out features, uh, but when things change, uh, it kind of impacts. I, I think for me, that's been uh, the challenge and getting tech talent, you know, that can uh, meet our need. I think those are some of the uh, challenges I think we have faced, you know, uh, I'll let the other guys chip in too. I think for me, it's um, this perspective, trying to correct that narrative or storytelling that we're not a charity. Um, I think most people tend to perceive us to be a charity organization or an NGO organization. The fact is, yes, we want to make change. We've got a cause that we're very passionate about and we want to see uh, a difference being made there. But we also want to make money because that's how you make change these days. Um, that's how you also bring about innovation as well. So, yeah. yeah, we want to be sustainable as well. So I think for me, that's being the the downer when when you tell people oh this is a beautiful idea that i have and they're like okay so you guys are an ngo or a charity oh that's a good cause and they're like oh no 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 that's not what we are um here are things that um we have thought about at least for now that can give us money and all of that so i think for me that has is trying to get the messaging right for people uh trying to tell our own story properly and not to be mixed up or be um, stacked up together with NGOs. Um, again, I don't have anything against them. It's just not what we are. And, you know, it's, for me, one of the most difficult or challenging things that we've had to, we've had to um, work on. But we're getting there. I think more and more people are catching on to what we're doing. And um, hopefully in the new year, more and more people will get to also know what our vision, our mission is, and hopefully will join forces with us to achieve this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think uh, Obi and Chemaka said most of most of this, uh, you know, most of the challenges so far. Just one I'll add to that, you know, which kind of ties back to the previous question is about um, the fact that a lot of people um, do not understand what we're doing, and oftentimes, you know, there's that not willingness to give us a chance to, ex to give get. To really much uh, laid out what we're doing and like i said we had we had a few people have actually listened to us and tried to understand what we're doing they've been like blown away um but oftentimes i think there's this perception that maybe it could be and it could also be you know maybe the approach we've taken as we've you know slowly uh worked and rolled out the products uh in the market is sometimes there's often the perception that oh this is what aluminite is and based on that people think oh you know what We've seen this before, but really, um, you know, we have, there's nothing out there that kind of takes aluminum like for likes, you know. There's a bit of a mix, you know, there's a crowdfunding side, there's a community side, there's a project management side of Alumni and this opens, unlocks so many um, value for our partners. So students, alumni, corporates, uh, even NGO partners, for example. Um, but it's getting the chance to actually explain all that, roll that all out. Is, is I think that's where we get a bit frustrated. Like Obina said, we've applied to a few accelerators, and I know you know one of the challenges is oftentimes you have to explain what you're doing, okay. a few lines, and it's easier to say Aluminite is um, you know is like a GoFundMe that for Africa, but we're not a GoFundMe well, for Africa. We're a lot more yeah. than that. Uh, but because there's not an exact analogy for Aluminite out there. It's it's a bit you know, challenging, and uh, I mean we 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 are, we are very grateful for those who have actually um, you know given us the chance to you know get them um, on board, and and this also includes our investors as well. You know, for our investors who listened, uh, gave us a listening ear quite early on, they, even before we built the product, they saw the vision and what we we're doing, yeah. and we we're able to back that up, and you know we haven't let them down so far. So that just gives you an example of you know, those who have listened to what we are, our vision, they've all been sold. But the challenge is very few people tend to you know, actually give us a chance to explain what we're trying to do. And but I'm quite positive that will change from you know, what we're rolling out from next year. A lot of that will change. We've set out you know, a very ambitious um, vision for the next five years. Um, also, and this vision is in you know, strong alignment with the uh, United Nations SDG um, goals. Um, and Obina, do you want to 
diving into this? There are like four pillars. Like one of the pillars is to kind of drive quality education. You know, then the second pillar is around gender equity. You know, we want to kind of like leverage the data we get, you know, to make sure we're empowering girls, uh, the girl child access to quality education. Now, the top pillar is to promote inclusive and sustainable growth. You know, uh, our goal is to, from our global diverse pool of alumni, we want to be able to kind of like help guide the next generation of African youth through uh, mentorship to help create that future-ready workforce. Now, the, the fourth pillar is reduce inequality, you know, and like I like I said earlier, like COVID kind of helped expose the, the gaps we have in infrastructure uh, in Africa. And a lot of people, and it actually helped accelerate the gap in, in, in inequality, you know. And our goal is to see how can we come work together to help uh, reduce inequality. And we've set some kind of key metrics to help uh, uh, keep ourselves honest, right? Like help track, like kind of goals, you know, things like we want to be able to raise like twenty million dollars uh, in the next five years to uh, to schools. Uh, we want to like impact five million students in the next five years across Africa. We want to come make sure we've done projects uh, that are valued up to two million dollars, focused on girl child education in the next five years. Um, uh, there, there's so many like metrics like yeah. that that we want to we have. Uh, yeah. So those are some of the things we're we're hoping to drive using these four pillars I just talked about. Yeah, and just to add to that, I guess you know, like Obina said, we've defined you know down to the you know the barest minimum. You know how we want to impact teachers, how we want to impact uh, education for the disabled. Um, literally, even the vendors themselves that you know are involved in our ecosystem for delivering projects. You know, how we want to impact families in rural areas through you know, small and medium business sized businesses that are, which are the vendors that are you know are actually going to be our partners to deliver some of this project so we've defined all of this uh, and the reason why we've defined this is it makes it easier for us to partner with various uh, you know individuals sponsors corporates depending on where you know where their interests lie we can partner with them and also scale their impact in education across uh, the ends of you know Africa, so this is the vision that you know that we we see uh, over and we plan to achieve over the next um, five years. So uh, thank you so much for listening into this first um, episode of this podcast. We're thrilled that you stuck around this long to hear our vision and also um, what's in our future. So how we intend to actually deliver on this value on our promise in the next couple of months. Um, we uh, there is a second version of this podcast which is with our partners ESC Business School so this is where you get to hear about their own education mission and why they have decided to partner with us to do this podcast this podcast is brought to you by IESE Business School also known as ESA ESA is one of the world's leading business schools dedicated to continuous growth and progress since 1958, this institution has formed global leaders making a deep, positive and lasting impact on people, businesses and society. Yes, a business school focuses on creating positive professional excellence, integrity and spirit of service using programs that enhance transformative personal and professional growth. Think ESA. It's a way to learn. A mark to make. A world to change. Hi, welcome back to the second segment of Dear Migrant Scholar. Thank you so much for listening this long. We have two reps from ESA Business School, Anna and Amarka. I will let them introduce themselves so that you get insights into their experiences and background. Anna, you first, please. Hi, I'm Anna. I'm from the U.S. originally, and my background, I have a very different background to most business school students or people. I, my background's in journalism. I was working at the UN for four years in New York before coming and I'm now working in and I'm a, a graduate of the class of 2021 so very fresh graduate from ESA and now working in admissions um, helping other people get in and make the best decision they'll ever make in their life. Fab and Amaka? Thank you. Um, I'm Amaka, Nigerian, and uh, before the MBA, I studied computer engineering, and I worked for Schlumberger, which is an oil servicing company. 
mainly in Nigeria. I moved around a bit and uh, from working as a real-time support engineer to a field engineer with drilling and measurements and eventually working as a petrophysicist. And I came to do my MBA in 2018, graduated the COVID class 2020. <laughs> and after then, I worked a bit in consulting. And recently, about four months ago, I joined the admissions team working as the associate admissions uh, director looking after Africa, Southern Europe, and uh, UK and Ireland. Fabulous. Thank you so much for that. Now, real quickly, I just want to jump to you, Amaka. Um, would you like to tell us about the ESA mission? What, what, what is the ESA mission? All right. Thank you very much, Amaka. Um, so the mission uh, of ESA is to develop leaders who strive to have a deep, positive, and lasting impact on people on and the society as a whole and they want to do this through professional excellence integrity and a spirit of service and uh, you can see this uh, resonating through the many activities that the school tries to hold we recently had the global um, alumni reunion which uh, the, the theme was the sustainability so making sure that whatever we are doing goes beyond us, beyond the current generation and affects the next generation is something that ESA is very uh, passionate about. Awesome. Anna, uh, um, yeah, nice to have you on this podcast as well. So quick question for you. What is ESA's unique selling point, you know, to you as a student when you were joining, what really attracted you to ESA? Yeah, sure. Could you share some? Sure, yeah. sure. So I'm American, if you can't tell from the accent. So a lot of people ask me this, why did you go to Europe, why, why ESA, What's the, what, is the, what drew you there? And there are a few things, and one of them is it has a lot to do with the mission statement. It's really the people that are there. I always felt the people that I met were, they always impressed me, but no one was trying to impress me. So there was a big, um, the fit, the culture, it's very humble, but everyone's excellent and everyone works hard and pushes each other in a way to, to work and be your best. Um, so that was really important uh, for me. And also just being able to have this experience, a truly diverse and international experience. I knew that if I stayed in the U.S. that it would be uh, a lot different. It would be mostly Americans. And I wanted to really get to know people from all around the world. Um, but the, I guess one of the bigger selling points, too, that's uh, pretty unique to ESA and a few other business schools, but we're one of the ones that you know does it really strongly, is we use a case method. So that is a very hands-on approach to learning. You're not just you know, watching your professor speak at the front of the classroom. You're really participating. Um, you have to participate. You have to prepare. Um, but it sticks with you. So the things that I learned, the cases that I did, really stuck with me. Um, so you've learned in a really, really, really strong way. Awesome. So Barcelona wasn't a factor then? Mm. <laughs> well, Barcelona. <laughs> it is Well, actually... Go I'd say Barcelona was sort of a factor for me too because I, I'm coming from a warm climate. I'm Nigerian, lived in Nigeria for a long time. So being in a place where I wouldn't be miserable uh, was also very important to <laughs> me. And uh, I mean, I already knew the MBA was going to be very difficult and tough. So uh, having at least better weather and good food was important. So 100%. yeah, Barcelona was a factor for me Same. as well. And That's you know, great. also being in a big city too, not being like in the, a small, small town, but a really nice, diverse international city. It's been amazing. Okay. Anyways, uh, that's good to hear. Uh, the big, being in a big city is a code for uh, being in a city where there's a lot of parties and all of that <laughs> for MBAs. <laughs> Anyways, um, I'm going to transition to the next question. Um, uh, this is for you, Amaka. Like, so how does repre uh, representation help in the overall like, MBA experience? Can you talk a bit about how that helps in the uh, MBA experience in the ESA. All right, thank you very much. Uh, so something that Anna mentioned was uh, the having uh, having an international experience. You know, the diversity of uh, the program is something is one of the very key features of what we have in the ESA. And when I talk about diversity, I mean in the real sense of the word. It's not just. Uh, 
are people national that have passports of other countries but people that are coming from these countries with lived experiences in those uh, cultures so it's a very very multicultural space where you learn how business is done in those different places again it ties into the the case study method the way that we learn because it's a peer-to-peer uh, based learning it's very interactive so you're going to hear the japanese talk about how things are done in japan you're going to hear the brazilian also share his or her experiences so at the end of the day you understand how business is done in these different cultures now how this helps and ties into yes's mission is again as i mentioned before creating a lasting impact on the society is very important it's core to our mission and that means that you're able to uh do something at scale not just in one particular location it's not how to do business in spain but being able to sell this, uh, the, the principles of uh, excellence and integrity and the spirit of, uh, of service across different cultures, across the world, in different uh, geographies is important. You come to ESA, you'd see that we have more than 55 nationalities. And as, again, as I pointed out, lived experiences, uh, people that have been in these cultures. And at the end of the day, um, you find out you, you you finish the program having sort of a home in almost all these countries because uh, I, I mean I'll be attending a wedding very soon in Vietnam and that that's because I have a classmate yeah that 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 is there now and so you you're able to understand yeah you're able to visit many places you're able to have like a, a friend or a home in a different country you're able to understand how to speak professionally in different places so um, yeah that's how that's how it ties into that's how the representation ties into the mission of the I'm story. actually jealous. <laughs> I'm actually very jealous. <laughs> you, can, is, you can be my plus one. Okay, today, okay. Vietnam is one of the places I want to go to, you know, Vietnam, Cambodia. That's, oh, yeah. it's, a, it's a good combination. Okay, cool stuff. Thank you, Amaka. Uh, I just have one final question for you. Um, not Amaka now, my apologies. This is for Anna. The question is for Anna. Uh, so with this partnership with Alum Unite, um, how do you think this partnership would help grow African representation within the MBA program? So you've talked about the case study and how that exposes you to global awareness, global excellence, and then um, experience different cultures. How, would you, how do you think this partnership would um, help improve the partner, African representation in the program? Well, I think that what you guys are doing is great to get people more engaged in pursuing higher education, um, to really educate themselves on what are the programs out there, because I think there are a lot, there's a, a lot of amazing programs all around the world, um, but I think a lot of the time we just go where we know someone that went there, and, um, or we go because we read one article about something, or, you know, we, we have different reasons, but when we meet alumni from, from different places, from different schools, um, having that network is really important. And I think what you guys do, which is amazing, is you're not all from one school. You're from all you know, business programs or MBAs and master's programs from all around the world. So I think it's really great that you guys have that network built in, but that you're also helping connect people to, to what they can you know, what they can accomplish outside of Africa, but also bring it back to Africa if that's what they choose to do. Um, and I think that that's really important, uh, what you guys are doing to bring people, we study where they want to do, where they want to go, and then be able to accomplish what they want to accomplish. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's right. I mean, uh, a lot of us, um, I think those of us here would, uh, would really resonate with this, that, you know, a lot of us Africans were mentored into our careers through our family, or our parents. So, one thing we're trying to do with Alarm Unite is actually broaden that horizon. You know, you don't have to be mentored through your family. You know, there's a bigger space out there, a community that can actually help you. And this is one, you know, one benefit uh, with Alarm Unite and EAC as well, where we can show a, a different pathway for those you know, who, are, who are seeking that. Um, so, yeah, thanks again for that response, Anna. Um, now we've got some fun questions we'd like to throw for, uh, to you guys. Uh, I will start with you, Amaka. Um, very simple question. So think about your secondary school alumni group. Think about your university alumni group. So they both have a reunion on the same day. Which one are you going to go to and why? <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Okay. I, should this be? Uh, <laughs> I, 
I'm wondering if this is a political answer. I don't know if it's going to lead. I don't want my secondary school friends to hear it and all the other one are like, oh, why did you choose this one over the other? Um, I, I'd say I, uh, and this is probably just me, but I, I have formed very deep connections. So I've maintained uh, ties with my uh, secondary school friends much more than my university friends. Interesting. And also, I haven't seen them in a long time, um, even though I've maintained, uh, I've been in contact with them. So if they have something going on at the same time, I'll probably go for the secondary school one. Apologies to all my university friends for now, but and when you say university, I hope you're not mentioning no, it. No, no, I, I meant your, your undergrad. Oh, yeah, yeah, undergrad. So you can, you can okay. take notes out of this. We're reducing the pressure. Oh, that's pretty good. All right, Anna, one for you. Okay. Um, so, if, what advice would you give your 17-year-old self? Like, if you had to go back mm. in time, like, what advice would you give your 17-year-old self? Mm, good question. I hmm. would tell myself. What's what's the drinking age in, in the I US know. again? The drinking age is 21. It's 18 and something. It's 18 and something. in the US, so it's it's like crazy. So I'm not gonna admit whether I was doing any of that. I would tell my 17 year old self that um, I should focus on me and not worry about what other people are thinking. Um, That's a good advice. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Focus on what's right for me, not what other people want or think. Stop trying to please everyone and lose yourself. Right. So that one's a serious answer. Awesome. I wish I had a cute answer to that. Yeah. Also, that's, that's, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very good uh, answer. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> a good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys, for uh, come, being in this podcast with us. Um, it was such an insightful. An educated one. I mean, I'm the only non-MBA on this table, so I think I get to hear from all all parts of your mouths the different experiences that you've had as well. Now, for those of you who are listening, thank you for sticking around this long uh, to listen to us talk um, about the different things that we plan to do together. Um, if you're interested in beginning your journey or making inquiries, please check out the show notes uh, and then reach out to... Uh, the individuals here as well we would also put their information in the show notes as well so till next time i would like to say first of all thank you to our guest anna and amaka thank you so much for uh coming onto the podcast with us and then my co-pilots charles and ovi thank you so much <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode we're grateful that you stuck around this long If you want to learn more about ESA Business School and how to get started with your MBA journey, please check the show notes for a link to helpful resources. Don't forget to check us online at alumunite.co and follow us on social media to stay updated with all the incredible work we are doing. Till next time, stay focused and continue to reach for the skies.